Good morning, everyone. Um, Last week on Reformation Sunday, Pastor David encouraged us from Psalm 46 to be fearless in a fearful world. And as we continue a theme similar to that today, we know that we need our anchor in Christ to face the national election this Tuesday to navigate the multiple issues of the coronavirus, to pursue the beauty of ethnic and racial unity. We need our anchor in Christ as we ache and pray for family and friends with spiritual, relational, and physical challenges, and as we long for peace in our homes. Indeed, we long for the chaos around us to subside, And so we need our anchor in Christ and responding to that chaos with necessary trust and God-given strength in our Savior. Today, Pastor David sends his love while he remains at home in response to exposure to the COVID-19 virus. Thankfully, David and the family are well with no symptoms, yet they remain at home out of abundance of caution and love. And yes, this is why we ask you to isolate from your covenant family here on campus if you have symptoms or have been exposed to COVID-19. You do so out of abundance of caution and love. Yes, we add our personal concerns of COVID-19 with exposure to those whom we love to the list of possible anxieties today. On this All Saints Day, though, we continue to embrace necessary trust in our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we do so in response to what our text calls anxiety and worry, another facet of being fearless in a fearful world. So now I I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 to 34, as we consider Christ's call to embrace freedom from anxiety. Please hear God's word. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day 
is its own trouble. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in need of your grace to help us understand the depths and wonders of your love as revealed in Scripture. We come to hear your voice and to learn how to be conformed to the image of your Son. Please speak to us through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You know, in our verses this morning, Jesus encourages us to trust our Heavenly Father for abundant life and abundant provision. And He does so while He forthrightly condemns a sin that most of us, if not all of us, struggle against daily. It is the sin of anxiety and worry. Jerry Bridges, Christian author and speaker, included anxiety in his list of sins found in his book, Respectable Sins. In some ways, the respectable sin of anxiety is so common to the human condition that one might easily think that it is no sin at all. Yet, Jesus says otherwise. Do not be anxious about your life, he begins, and then he ends the section. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious anxious for itself. The Apostle Paul repeats his, this command in his letter to the Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In our passage this morning, Christ guides us to understand that holding on to anxiety makes little sense. And Christ convicts us that anxiety is also dishonoring to our Heavenly Father. Rather, He calls us to freedom from anxiety. Anxiety's cure is found in the confident trust that we as believers place in our Heavenly Father, our gracious Savior, the abiding Holy Spirit. Yet by way of introduction, I have three comments. First, I realize that there is a measure of subjectivity to this discussion. Anxiety does not manifest itself in a single color, but rather in various shades to various individuals. Different people have have different levels of anxiety, and it is often difficult to discern when necessary and appropriate concern has crossed the line to become inappropriate worry. And there are times when the medical community provides care in the context of anxiety. For me personally, I am temperamentally inclined to worry. I can find a dark cloud behind every silver lining. However, I am convicted not to blame my anxiety on my temperament. Why? Because this is a spiritual matter and all of us are affected in different ways. We need God's grace to change our hearts. Second, Jesus provides a context for His command from a key theme of the Sermon of the Mount Mount that we see at the end of chapter 5. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, what anxiety. Perfect? But yet the Greek word for perfect here, teleos, does not refer to sinless or moral perfection. Rather, being perfect indicates completeness, wholeness, maturity, being all that God wants us to be in Jesus Christ as a gift of grace. For this 
we must anchor ourselves in Christ, in the Gospel, in His grace. Third, while it would be easy to focus on worry and anxiety this morning, this is not the focal point of Christ's call. Rather, the condition of the heart and submission to Christ is key. Right before the therefore of verse 25, Jesus affirms that no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. And what in our verses emerges is a litmus test for whether you are inappropriately anxious as a matter of your heart. Dear family, these considerations of introduction lead us to appropriate questions. What is the focal point of my heart? What is my chief concern? How does anxiety reflect my skewed priorities? If God's honor is not our chief concern, we will inevitably descend to self-serving concerns which will in turn create space for every kind of anxious thoughts. Friends, anxiety is no little sin. At its core, anxiety reveals our lack of faith and the promise that our loving Heavenly Father is causing everything in our life to work together for our good and for His glory. Yet, hallelujah, praise God, Jesus wants us to be free of anxiety and worry by His grace and by His power. So here's our first point. To receive freedom from anxiety, embrace compelling reasons for us to abandon worry. We see this in verses 25 to 29. The first reason why we should not worry is because worry is not productive. It's useless. In verse 27, Jesus asks, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? In essence, who can solve the problems of of life by worrying about them? In his rhetorical question, Jesus wants us to understand that worrying does not do us an ounce of good, not even a little bit. So the first reason why we should not worry is because worrying does not profit us. It is useless. The second reason, though, in these verses why we should not worry is because worry is needless. Verse 26 Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Thinking of God's providence. If God looks after birds and lilies, is it not foolish to think that He would neglect us? Sure. Life does not always go as smoothly as we would like. Yet it takes quite a leap to reach the conclusion that God does not care for us when difficulties come. If God, the ultimate power of the universe, cares for us and promises to provide for us, it makes little sense to worry. Again, it is needless. The third reason, though, not to be anxious is because it is tied to unbelief. Worry acts as though God will not provide. Here's the matter of your heart in not trusting. That is why Christ chides such folly by saying, O you of little faith. Worry means that we do not trust the Father to care for us as His children. In not trusting, we doubt His promises and power to provide. We fail to rest in the abundance of His compassion towards us. 
Jesus wants us to see that worry is not merely about us. It is about God and our deficient view of Him as our Heavenly Father. And that brings us to our next point. We know that it makes no sense for us to be anxious. To experience freedom from anxiety, we embrace these compelling reasons to abandon worry. It's useless, it's needless, it's faithless. But now, secondly, to receive freedom from anxiety, we embrace certain convictions. There are two of them to strengthen our hearts. We need to ask, why is anxiety such a problem? The issue becomes clear when Jesus repeats his command, do not be anxious with this diagnosis. I've said it before. Oh, you of little faith. Now listen to the frame of of what he is telling us. Verse 30. This is all in verses 30 through 32. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus continues. Verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Now Jesus uses a verb tense here that is intensifying the sense of anxiety. We see it in the English word shell. But the, the image here is someone running around the room crying out, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Doing that before all others. Jesus so continues the diagnosis of the heart. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Gentiles here is used to refer to the unbelieving world. Those who do not believe have no heavenly Father to care for them. The pursuit of worldly concerns and the futility of anxiety, they're understandable. For worry characterizes the unbelieving heart. For those who do not trust Christ, priorities resolve around self while doing some worthwhile things. Non-believers prioritize personal comforts and personal compulsions. There is no heart for the kingship of Christ over life and no trust in God as Heavenly Father. So the no-believer goes it alone. And that involves worrying about satisfying whims. So here's the first conviction. Brothers and sisters, resist the pull to practice anxiety by increasing your participation in worldly affairs as those with no hope. Resist the moral failure of worldliness. Do not set your hearts on things that moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Rather, set your hearts on the treasures of heaven in Jesus Christ that we cannot lose our abundant life, His eternal kingdom. For conviction's sake, note this connection between worldliness and unbelief and submission and anxiety. In worldliness, we do not believe that God will provide for us and so we worry about it. We fail to understand that He watches over me so well that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. That's from the Heidelberg Catechism. Furthermore, worry and anxiety reflects, and this is conviction for me, 
a lack of submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be in control of our lives. We're trying as hard as we can to be in control. And so we worry about that gap between what we're trying to do and what we're not sure we can accomplish. Have you ever been there? I confess that I have been even in ministry where excessive concern reveals our desire to be master of our life rather than the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we, through our excessive concern, insist on being master, we fail to bring glory to God and we will have anxiety. The plain truth of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is that God is glorified by our dependence on Him. Worry and anxiety are spiritual matters in which we need His grace in repentance and forgiveness to overcome. Now that's a negative conviction. There is a positive conviction here. We must trust God as our Heavenly Father. The end of verse 32 Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. An encouraging emphasis in the Sermon on the Mount is that God is your Father. He is not distant. He is not disinterested. Your Father feeds the birds and clothes the lilies of the field, and your Father cares intimately more for you than the temporal Elements of creation. As His child redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you have His assurance that the Father will much more care for you. From Romans chapter 8, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Now, if you are like me, I do not like anxiety. I want freedom from anxiety, don't you? So how do we escape our tendency to worry and receiving freedom from anxiety? And I'm using the word receiving because it is a grace of the Lord. We first embrace compelling reasons not to worry. We embrace these convictions to strengthen our hearts. And lastly, we embrace the new priority to honor God and His kingdom. Verse 33. Jesus calls us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Dear family, this is the great alternative to anxiety that makes profound sense. How do we seek the kingdom of God? That's how we avoid anxiety. But first, we seek the kingdom by trusting Christ and His righteousness. We accept the fatherly care of God in the provision of His Son. He gave us His Son so that our sins may be forgiven, that we may enjoy eternal life. Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. He was raised to life for our salvation. So we receive that gift. We pursue His righteousness. Now why is the righteousness of Christ so necessary? Well, on our own and by our own efforts, we will never be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We don't love God with all of our heart and we don't love our neighbor as ourselves consistently. We have a problem. 
And that problem is called sin. We are born with it. We cannot overcome the effects of sin on our own. Sin radically affects us to our core. Sin affects what we do, say, and think. In other words, it taints everything about us. Therefore, no matter how good we try to be, we will never meet God's standard of holiness. Our own righteousness is simply not good enough, no matter how hard we try so anxiously. That's why Jesus lived a perfect life in full obedience to the law of God in thought, word, and deed. Jesus came to live a life of perfect righteousness. He lived a life of sinless perfection. Everything Jesus did was perfect. Then He went willingly to the cross, dear family, in full obedience to the law of God in thought, word, and deed. His passive obedience pays our sin debt before God. This act of obedience before then gives us the righteousness God requires. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Through faith in Christ, brothers and sisters, the righteousness of God is given to you and to me. When we place our faith in Christ, God ascribes the perfect righteousness of Christ to our account so that we become perfect in His sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake, He made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become what? The righteousness of God. Not only is Christ's righteousness imputed to us through faith, But our sin is given to Him. That is how Christ paid our sin debt to God. He had no sin in Himself. But our sin is placed upon Him. He died the death that our sin deserves. So that we might live. And I'm telling you to live without worry and anxiety. With Paul we say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the new life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Galatians 2.20 So first we seek the kingdom by seeking the righteousness of Christ. Just a few other thoughts. It's good for us to seek the kingdom by embracing God's word and resting in his promises. Now, this is reflects some of my heart, but there are many promises that are in the scriptures that should free us from anxiety. When anxious and fearful, trust is promised found in Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you when with my righteous right hand. When anxious about being too weak to face another day, rest in the promise of Christ. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When anxious about decisions impacting tomorrow, yield to God's promise, dear family. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Psalm 32 verse 8. 
And when anxious about aging, battle unbelief with the promise from Isaiah 46. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry you and will save you. These are but a few promises that we learn as we learn God's word individually and corporately as we open God's word frequently daily. And I think it's safe to say that we seek the kingdom through prayer. The Apostle Paul or Peter calls us to the discipline of casting all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Apostle Paul says much the same. Do not be anxious, anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. We pray with thanksgiving. We recall God's goodness and faithfulness in the past. We seek his grace to protect us from anxiety today and in the future. When we remind ourselves that God's grace has brought us safe thus far, we gain confidence in the promise that grace will carry us home. All this means that the better way is trust. So in conclusion, we receive and experience freedom from anxiety by embracing a much better way than anxiety and worry. Instead of worrying about the many details of life, Jesus calls us to trust Him. The last verse, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It means that in trusting Christ, we leave tomorrow in His hands. In one sense, anxiety is fretfulness over what has not taken place. It is concern about tomorrow. And yes, troubles will come. That's part of life. The Scripture prepares us for that. But none of us know what troubles will come or how intense they will be. To worry over what has not happened is a waste of mental and emotional energy. Jesus reminds us that this sin is a denial of God's wise and gracious and purposeful rule over your life. Be faithful. Plan. Work hard. Take care of yourself. But do not fret about tomorrow. Trust Jesus Christ. Leave tomorrow in His hands. And with the Spirit's help, Discipline your thoughts. Discipline your, your thoughts about what it is to trust the Lord and enjoy His presence daily. It also means, though, in trusting Christ that we trust Jesus today. As troubles come this day, Jesus affirms, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Yet with trust in Christ, speak truth to your soul. Your Heavenly Father cares for you. Your exalted Savior prays for you. The Holy Spirit will comfort and lead you. Our God reigns over the smallest details confronting your life each day. So trust Him. Believe His promises throughout Scripture. Seek to know God's fatherly care in the midst of the day and its trouble. Pursue His wisdom to discern when necessary and appropriate concern crosses the line to become inappropriate worry. Pray and pursue the righteousness of Christ. Dear family of God, do what makes perfect sense. 
Be free from anxiety. For the King of the universe, our God and Savior, desires that we be set free from worry. It is within our grace or in our grip by His grace and power. Alleluia. Praise Him. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise You for Your rich mercy, Your everlasting love, the love that You have given to us in Your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. In His exalted name, we pray that You would give us grace to overcome the sin of worry, that we would be set free from anxiety. May we commit the whole of our lives into Your generous hand and seek first the kingdom. Teach us by Your Word to trust in the Savior and Your providence and Your purposes for us. May our lives reflect the love of our Savior to all the world. For the glory of Your name, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.